Wow, that view is awesome. 2020 hasn't been so awesome, and I want to congratulate you. You have made it to the first Sunday in 2021. Nobody saw 2020 coming. I mean, man, boom, it just hit us. It was tough. And there are some things that we want to avoid, and that's why we've named this series Avoid It. You have survived 2020, and now it's time to thrive in 2021. And there are some things that we can do so that our lives will really thrive. Proverbs 13, 14 says it like this. The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Life-giving fountain. The Bible is represented as a life-giving fountain. It goes on. It says this. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. In preparing for this series, I've been thinking a lot about great inventions. You know, like if you Google world-changing inventions, like the greatest inventions, there's like a short list that most every single site has on it. And towards the top of the list, if not the top of the list on most lists, is the wheel, which is why we are here at the Capitol Wheel. Wheels are awesome. They have enhanced our lives. They've extended our reach. They have benefited us so much. You know what? This wasn't my idea. This was Ben's idea. He's the one that right now, go ahead, Ben, show him yourself here real quick. He's doesn't, he doesn't like heights and he's jammed all the way against that window and he's checking. And we even have a glass bottom so we can see just how high we are. This is an awesome place with really awesome views. And we thank the people at Capitol Wheel because they hooked us up in this VIP. You've got these red seats in here, special black cab. And it's just really, it's, it's really, really awesome. Well, let's get back to the inventions. I've been thinking about the wheel and how it has radically changed the world. 5,500 years ago, roughly, the wheel was invented. My family, we just took a trip. We went for Christmas. We said, you know what? Let's not give each other a bunch of gifts. Let's just give ourselves the gift of going away. We went to a little cabin in the woods about four hours away, way up in the mountains. And I was thinking as we were going there and thinking about the wheel, my goodness, if we didn't have wheels, we would have had to walk here. It would have taken us months to do that. How about you? You order Uber Eats. If there weren't wheels, you'd have to call Uber Eats two hours in advance just to get food to you from a restaurant only five miles away. And then the DoorDasher or the Uber Eats person would show up. They'd be sweating. The food would be cold. Wheels are great. Wheels can lift you way up high in the sky like we are right now. Wheels can bring you food. Wheels can allow you to extend your life, enhance your life. Wheels are great. Listen, every great invention starts with a problem. And then there's an idea, and it leads to the solution, the invention. That's the same thing with God's Word. I'd like to read you something that Jonathan Sachs says, because I think it's so great. When you think about the Bible, what exactly is the Bible, everybody? Is it a, a list of rules? Is it a bunch of commands? Is it a religion? Is it a culture? What exactly is it? Well, Jonathan Sachs says it this way, and it's excellent. It is a way of thinking, a constellation of ideas a way of understanding the world and our place within it, a dazzling and original way of thinking about life. God speaks creation right out of the mind of God. Genesis chapter one, Jesus Christ, John chapter one is the word, right? This is straight from the mind of God. You know, Walker Percy, great American 20th century writer was reflecting, one of his best friends was Jewish and he's reflecting about the Jewish people. He's saying, you know what? How is it that so many civilizations have come and gone and so much has been against the Jewish people? They've endured so much. And then he goes on to say in his reflection, he says it like this, what are they doing here? 
why are the Jewish people still here? Barry Weiss gives her answer, New York Times writer Barry Weiss, and this is what she says is, by every rule of history, we should have disappeared long ago. It seems to me that our very existence is an earthly miracle more astonishing than the parting of the Red Sea. But it doesn't take a genius to see that the secret is not our superhuman physical strength, nor is it our ability to organize or to wield political power. No, I believe the secret of our staying power is our ideas. The Bible presents us ideas. And in 2021, we want to focus on the power of biblical thinking straight out of the mind of God. So for the first four Sundays in 2021, we want to deal each week with one world-changing, life-changing biblical idea. And today we're going to start with idea number one. And number one is really number one. This is where you have to start. You got to start with this great life-changing idea. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's thrive in 2021. We're at center court because this is where a basketball game begins. Doesn't start on the sidelines. Doesn't start on the baseline. It all starts right here. And for God to do the work that God wants to do in your life, it starts with this great biblical idea. You know, soccer has a center field. Monopoly, it starts with go. And for God to do the amazing work that he wants to do in your life and in my life, it starts with biblical idea number one. This is where we begin to avoid the mess and the problems. Biblical idea number one. What is it? What is this great biblical idea that helps us to avoid the snares of death? It is this, Genesis chapter one. There's a cadence. There's a rhythm rhythm to it. You read six different times in Genesis chapter one. And God said, and then boom, there's creation. There's a, there's just a creative flow that's going on, uninterrupted, unencumbered uh, in any way. It's just flowing, flowing, flowing six times. And God said, and God said, and God said, this cadence, this rhythm to it. And then all of a sudden in verse 26, very famous verse in the Bible, all of a sudden it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. The sages, the scholars, biblical scholars say to this about this verse, What's the deal with that? What is the pause? What's the break in rhythm? What's the break in cadence going on? Why the verbal reflection? What's happening here? Now, we know that this verse is famous because it has a tremendous... The idea about all people being created in the image of God is earth-shaking. That idea has changed so much. Every time there's been a genocide, it all starts with the idea of dehumanizing people. Well, this rehumanizes all people, 100%, every single person. But before we get to that great biblical idea, there's one right before it, and that's the pause. Why is there a pause? Now, I want to talk about the Talmud for a second. The Talmud is writings, ancient Jewish writings. The Jewish people who wrote the Bible, it gives us insight into their culture, what they were thinking. The word Talmud means to learn. People say you don't read the Talmud, you study the Talmud, you would do it in a group, and these great biblical sages would reflect on the Bible. They would ask questions like, well, who is the us? All of a sudden, God said, God said, and then it's, let us make. Who's the us? Or they would reflect on questions like, why the pause? What's the break in the cadence? And so then they would 
give commentary. So I read commentaries all the time. And I look at the Talmud kind of sort of like a commentary written thousands of years old, insight by the very people who wrote the Bible. What were they thinking? So there's a story in the Talmud. Jesus told lots of parables, and there's what I consider kind of like a parable that's contained in the Talmud. And it's a story about Genesis 1.26. What's going on here? One of the stories is this, that a group of angels came before God, and God says to this group of angels and to the heavenly court, he says, should we make humanity? And this group of angels says, you know, God, human beings are the only beings capable of destroying this planet, of messing up your creation because they have free will. They can do whatever they want. Don't create them. So God destroyed those angels. And then a second group of angels came in and God said, should I create humanity? They're like, they can destroy everything. They have free will. Nothing else that you have created can destroy your beautiful creation, except for human beings, because they have free will. So God destroys the second group of angels. And then the third group of angels come in. God says, should I create human beings? And the third group says, well, you destroyed the first group, you destroyed the second group. Uh, we think you should do whatever you want to do. And so God created human beings. And that's the Talmud. That's the ancient sages. This is such a brilliant window into the thought about what Genesis 1.26 is saying to us. Here's what it's saying, is that God has great faith in you and in me, and that the real mystery of the Bible is not this thing we talk about all the time. How can I have faith in God? Oh, I'm doubting. I'm doubting. I'm struggling with my faith. That, that, that That's not the big issue in the Bible. The big issue in the Bible, the grand mystery is, why does God have such great faith in you? When people can reject God and do our own thing and mess up our own lives and mess up other people's lives, why does God have so much great faith in us? And there's the first great and grand, radically life-changing idea from the Bible. And it is why the Jewish people, although so much has come against them, that they have been able to survive and thrive. And we can avoid the snares and the messes of life if we'll start with this firm and solid foundation. Jesus Christ, like Hebrew says, is our anchor. This is our anchor. It's the solid rock of wisdom that we build our lives on, is that God has great faith in you. I want you to consider some verses out of the Bible. God is describing himself in Exodus 34. He says, I'm slow to anger and I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. God is faithful to you. He has great faith in you. The psalmist writes in Psalm 27, even if my father and mother abandon me, you know what? I hope your mom and dad believe in you a lot. But I know in some cases they don't. And in some cases, some of us have been hurt very badly. So the psalmist says this, even if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Or how about Paul's writing to young Timothy when he says, if we are faithless, and many times I am, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. Everybody, the real, the real mystery and the starting place where the power of biblical thinking really begins is that God has great faith in you and we need to immerse ourselves in that great and grand biblical idea because it will be transformative to our lives. You might not believe in you, but God believes in you. Other people might not believe in you, but God believes in you and he will never, ever stop believing in you. That's why he created you. Pause for a moment, thought about it, says, yes, I believe in you.
I believe in Joe. I believe in Sally. I believe in every single one of my children. I believe in you. Adam and Eve, where did things go wrong? The enemy comes in, says, you know what? I'm not sure God believes in you. I'm not sure God has your best interest in mind. I'm not sure God is for you. He puts that seed of doubt in their minds and they doubt whether or not God really believes in them, whether or not God is really for them and puts that seed of doubt that maybe God's against them. And then from there, they make decision after decision after decision that their life descends into chaos, into problems. They go into all kinds of messes. If we would drink from the fountain of life, and the great grand biblical idea and build our lives on the solid rock that God has great faith in you, no matter what you do, that God will never stop believing in you. If you will build your life on that, it will eventually pull you out of every pitfall, every snare and every problem that you fall yourself in. But you've got to immerse yourself in that, in that, in that idea. You've got to immerse yourself in that great and grand idea. Everybody just think about this for a second. It's very interesting. God spends 34 verses describing to us the magnificence of his creation. 34 verses. Over 500 verses, he describes the Israelites building that tiny, portable, temporary structure that moved around the desert, the tabernacle. Over 500 verses. Why? Why can't I get over 500 verses on the creation of the world and get less than 34 verses on this tiny, temporary structure in the middle of the desert. Why? You know why? Because God, like any great, awesome, loving, faithful parent, you know what? A great parent would be the last person who would ever give up on their child. And God, like any great parent, look, right now, some of you have an ornament, a really ugly ornament hanging on your tree. And to the whole world, it's ugly. But to you, it's a masterpiece. Why? Because your kids created it. Same thing with the tabernacle. and the, My kids created this. And I'm going to spend more than 500 verses on it. I've got pictures hanging in my office. They're not the greatest pictures, but my kids created them when they were two and three and four years old, and I will never destroy them and never get rid of them because I love my kids, and I will never give up my kids. And that's how God feels about you, because God has great faith in you. Now, I want you to consider the waters that we're swimming in in our culture. We will be affected by our culture, even if we don't know we're affected. And there's some famous people, best-selling authors, brilliant people, and they've said a lot about our lives and do our lives have any meaning. I want you to consider this. The famous philosopher, French philosopher Voltaire said this, human beings are like insects devouring one another on a little atom of mud. Let's go a little more contemporary. Stephen Hawking, who passed away not too many years ago, brilliant Best-selling author, theoretical physicist says this, the human race is just a chemical scum on a moderate-sized planet orbiting round a very average star in the outer suburb of one among a billion galaxies. How about John Gray, professor of economics at the London School of Economics, best-selling author? He says this, human life has no more meaning than that of slime mold. Lastly, Yuval Harari. Yuval Harari uh, wrote Homo Sapiens, best-selling book. Homo Deus, best-selling book. Our culture, we're swimming in these ideas. This is what he says about humanity. Looking back, humanity will turn out to be just a ripple within the cosmic data flow. If your life is meaningless, if your family, if your friends, if your boss, if your neighbors... If smart people, brilliant people, best-selling people, popular people believe that you're meaningless, if you're swimming in that culture, what will happen to you? 
Will suicide, hopelessness, meaninglessness, purposelessness, will all of that rise? Will you and I make decisions that mess up our life, that mess up our finances and mess up our relationships? Well, that's what Adam and Eve did when they felt that God did not have great faith in them. That's where it starts. That's where all the problems begin. And here's how you reverse all those problems is you've got to immerse yourself in the great grand biblical idea. The power of biblical thinking is that God has great faith in you. So forget about you having great faith in God for just a moment. Put that on hold. First, God has great faith in you. Then you can consider having great faith in God. God will never stop believing in you. He is faithful even when you aren't faithful. Proverbs 13, 14 again. The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. To drink from some of those quotes I read a moment ago by best-selling authors is like drinking from a fountain of death. I love what Isaiah 55 says. It says, God's word never returns void. Never. Void is something that's empty and useless. God's word never returns void. When you immerse yourself in the great ideas that you find in God's word in the Bible, they will not return void. So how do we avoid the void? How do you and I avoid the void? Well, somebody said this many years ago and it stuck with me. I can't remember who said it. Our minds are leaky. I find my mind is leaky a lot of times and I forget things that are really, really important, important things. How do we avoid that? Well, you can go old school or you can go new school. Old school is you write it down on a post-it. God has great faith in me and you put it all over the place. Or you go new school. You put a reminder on your phone or an alarm on your phone every day. Or you say, hey, Alexa, remind me every day at 7 a.m. that God has great faith in me. Hey, Alexa, remind me every night at 10 p.m. before I go to bed that God has great faith in me. Whether it's old school or new school, you've got to, you've got to remind yourself. You've got to immerse yourself. And talking about immersion, I want to come to my last point. My last point is this. It's mikvah time. No, no, it's not Michelob time. It's mikvah time. I don't want you to run into your refrigerator right now. It's mikvah time. What is a mikvah? Well, think of baptism. A mikvah is, is a structure that was built, even to this day, all over Israel. People, you start by building a town or a village by building this, which looks, you know, like a baptismal. Looks like something, like a small pool that you would walk down. There's enough water in there for a person to immerse themselves completely. So as a mikvah is something that you do, and it's also something that is built. A mikvah, you immerse. So the word mikvah means collection. Isn't that fascinating? It means a collection. What is the water that you immerse yourself completely in? Because you would go all the way, all, all your hair, all the way down. Water represents the word of God. So you are immersing yourself in the word of God. So for today, you're immersing yourself in a collection of ideas, dazzling, life-changing, radical ideas that have changed the world, that have enabled a group of people to be more than conquerors. And when you and I immerse ourselves in the Bible and the ideas of God's word, we can be victorious in him. We can be free in him. We can be loved by him and avoid the messes of life. It's mikvah time. We need to immerse ourselves. The mikvah, the mikvah is so important. It was like right there, right at the center of life. Now, one last thing, everybody. We all need a group. I'm standing on a basketball court. And yes, in my college, I played for my college team. I, I set the record for three-pointers in a game. But as incredible as that is, I could never win a game all by myself. There's no way you need a team. 
I'm never going to be victorious unless I have a group of people who are around me, reminding me, praying for me and reminding me, hey, John, God has great faith in you. Or sometimes they might come along and say, hey, John, your thinking is a little stinking. I think it's mikvah time. I need a group of guys around me who will call me out sometimes and say, you know what? You need to immerse yourself in the power of biblical thinking once again. So I want to say, you got to get a group. You're not going to be successful without a group. Humanity is always more successful in life when we have a group. Solitary, being away, being alone by yourself is not a biblical idea. Jesus had a group. You need a group. You got to have a group. Sign up for a group today. You got to follow the link that is on the screen right now, and you got to get into a group so 2021 can be a year that you avoid some past traps. You can avoid some past messes and that you can immerse yourself in these great biblical ideas that we're going to study. And it starts with number one, and that God has great faith in you.